What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just entered into my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give some tips on those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. Now, this week, we'll dive right into the show discussing next-gen pre-orders and Team Xbox's newest addition to its family in my news catch of the week. So this past week, guys, it was all about pre-orders. Uh, last week, we had Xbox. The week before, we had PlayStation. And I just kind of wanted to touch on these situations briefly. Kind of give you guys a personalized experience or background look into what my experience was during this process. Now, as most of you know, there was just a complete nightmare of a time uh, for anybody trying to get a PS5 or a Series X or S during these last couple of weeks. And I was part of that uh, nightmare. Um, you know, most retailers, uh, GameStop was very limited in store. Most retailers didn't even do in store, they only did online only pre orders, and some not even with in store pickup as a viable option. So, when it comes to the PS5, I will just you know cut right to the chase and say, thankfully, I was able to secure a pre-order uh, through Walmart, uh, actually. Uh, thankfully, they opened up a second wave of pre-orders at 9 p.m. Eastern, the official day that pre-orders began. And I was able to secure one during that second wave. Uh, so, you know, I, I, it was funny. I had woken up the night before at 2 in the morning, and I had to be at work at 4 in the morning. And I was thinking, hoping, maybe a little naively, that if I woke up at 2, maybe at that point, there might still be a chance that, you know, some were still floating around out there in cyberspace somewhere. Bottom line is, I was disappointed at the time, uh, to say the least, that there were not. And to find out that all over Twitter and on the internet, apparently Walmart broke street date. Uh, and instead of waiting until midnight Eastern time, uh, they ultimately ended up probably around 6.30 or so, almost six hours early, began allowing people to pre-order. And then most retailers followed suit afterwards. So that was just kind of a, a debacle. Uh, now, granted, since then, GameStop did have a second wave of pre-orders that they made gamers aware of the day before, uh, the, just this past week. And I, from what I understand, those pre-orders went just as quickly as the initial Wave did on that first pre-order day. Now, as far as the Xbox and the Series S and Series X, typically, guys, in the past, I've always pre-ordered my consoles at a GameStop. Whether it was when I worked at GameStop or when I knew people who worked at GameStop or even just in general, it's been GameStop. Always been a physical brick-and-mortar retailer that I go to to ensure the safe passage of my console. Now this time it was, uh, it's going to be different because I went to my local GameStop. It was actually kind of an event. Me, my wife and son, we all got together this morning uh, of the launch uh, of the pre-orders and we were going to meet up at about 9.30 in the parking lot of the GameStop where we were going to pre-order our consoles because all three of us were going to get a console. And ultimately, we got there at 9.30. There was already a line that was 16 deep. 
And we ended up getting in line. We're numbers 17, 18, 19 anyways. And ultimately find out there was a sign on the door that that particular GameStop was getting four, or 12, 14 total 12 X's and two Xbox Series S's. Well, we wanted the X. And obviously, if you count it out correctly, if we were numbers 17, 18, 19 in line and they only had 12 it was a good chance we weren't going to get one, but we wanted to have confirmation from the GameStop employee himself. So the bottom line is once he was uh, arriving and confirmed that, yes, you know, these are the accurate numbers. Anybody past that number, sorry, you're not going to be able to pre-order anything. At that point, we left, grabbed some breakfast, and the official start time for the pre-orders for Xbox were going to be 11 a.m. Eastern that morning. So we saddled up, sat there ready to go with our phones in hand. And ultimately, we ended up getting a pre-order for the Series X, each one of us. And uh, we had to go through multiple different websites. Uh, we had contingency plans in place. Uh, there were some that my I had one through Best Buy that was ended up uh, getting canceled um, due to overbooking on Best Buy's end. Uh, I actually have received an email um, from Amazon stating that there is no guarantee that I will receive the Series X on release day due to high demand. So just as they sent out those emails for PS5, they sent them out for the Series X. I received the email, as did my wife. So the, the thing is, guys, I will probably get a Series X. I just don't know for sure right now if I'll get it on release date. Now, I haven't received any kind of weird emails from Walmart stating this fact about the PS5. Uh, so I'm hoping that that will still come release day on November 12th. Regardless, I can't wait, guys. So that was my personalized stories that I've experienced these past two weeks trying to pre-order the next-gen consoles and just the absolute uh, insanity surrounding the pre-order process of these consoles. So moving on to the next piece of the Catch of the Week here, I wanted to talk with you guys about probably the biggest news this past week was the fact that Xbox purchased Bethesda. Now, if you guys don't 100% know who Bethesda is, or it's like, ah, it sounds familiar, but I don't know what they do. Well, Bethesda is the publisher, developer that is behind The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, the new Starfield coming later on Next Gen, Doom, Wolfenstein, Prey, Dishonored, so many different series. Todd Howard, the genius, the, the head guy, uh, he's the brain and mastermind behind the newer Fallouts and, and Elder Scrolls. Uh, the guy's been there for 25 years. He's, you know, he's along those same lines of Cliff Blazinski and uh, Peter Moore and just those higher up guys that have been around the business for a while. You got a lot of, a lot of respect for from a development standpoint when you look at his track record. So bottom line is, guys, this is huge. Uh, the fact that Microsoft put out $7.5 billion to purchase Bethesda uh, and to have that access and that kind of ownership over all of Bethesda's properties, that is huge. Uh, just a, a few quick things to point out to you guys. Think about this. Now that Xbox owns Bethesda, all these games are going to release on day one available on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass... You don't have to fork out anything to play any of these games anymore. Anymore, They're just right there available for download on your Game Pass, which is insane. Uh, on top of that, um, the, the biggest question that everybody really came out of this purchase with was, okay, well, are they actually going to retain 
that exclusivity of those games like Elder Scrolls and Fallout and Starfield, you know, so on and so forth. Are, is Xbox going to say, you can't release this on any other console, namely PS5? Let's be, let's be honest here. You can't release it on any console, video game console, except for the Xbox. PC, yeah, but home console, Xbox only. Is that going to be the case? We don't know yet, uh, for sure, because they've been very vague. Phil Spencer has said it's going to be on a game-by-game basis. So what exactly does that mean? Basically, Elder Scrolls is coming up. It's, uh, say, getting a release date of uh, 2026, right? February of 2026. So is that going to be exclusive to Xbox? Or are we going to say, you know what? For Elder Scrolls, we'll make it a, a, a one-year timed exclusive instead of just indefinitely exclusive. Or, you know what? We'll allow them to play Elder Scrolls. But when it comes to Fallout, Fallout, we're going to keep exclusive to Xbox. So when it comes to the game-by-game basis, I'm very curious if that's just kind of a... Uh, politically correct answer at this point in time to kind of brush off the subject and the topic and they actually intend on retaining the exclusivity indefinitely for all these titles in my opinion guys I really feel like they should Uh, you know for me uh, you know obviously if you've listened to the show for a while my preferred console is the Xbox brand I still love PlayStation and love the PlayStation consoles and their exclusives but at the end of the day It doesn't really affect me, this purchase, because I'm already going to have an Xbox. And even if it was on the PlayStation, it wouldn't have bothered me because I'm going to have both. But for those of us that will not have both, I do understand that now it kind of puts you in a pickle. It's like, man, I love the Elder Scrolls series, but if it's only available on Xbox, if I ever want to play it again, I'm going to have to buy an Xbox. And that's something that I cannot answer for you guys. Uh, But at the end of the day... It'll be very interesting to see what Microsoft does, especially because in the past they've allowed other games like Minecraft and whatnot to be able to be playable on other consoles. And I know Microsoft has touted in the last couple of years, uh, you shouldn't limit gamers. Everybody should be able to play together and have cross-platform play and all those things, which I'm all for. Uh, But at the same time, if you're forking out $7.5 billion for a company and all the rights to all of its properties that are huge properties in the gaming industry. I feel like you want to make it worth your while. And I get they don't really make a whole lot of uh, revenue or uh, margin on the sell of console. They would make more money, actually, from just being the, the owner, the publisher of these titles and allowing them to be published on other consoles like the PS5 and Switch even. Uh, all the royalties they would receive from those sales would far exceed any kind of sales or margin they would get from console sales that would be boosted by people purchasing their console now to play these games. So it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. And as far as will it make a difference in people's interest in choosing the Xbox brand, I personally think so. I think we've already seen it. I've seen many people online already say that, you know, yeah, you know, it definitely kind of makes me sit back and not just automatically default to, well, I'm getting a PS5, no questions asked. Or some people say, yeah, I I went out and pre-ordered a Series X uh, the other day because I want to be able to play the Bethesda games and I don't know exactly what they're going to do with that. I've always been a PlayStation guy, but I'm going Xbox because I want access to those games. So it's just really, really huge. Uh, And 
you know, it was kind of funny because just a couple months ago, we were in the gaming community kind of curious if Microsoft was going to purchase WB Interactive, uh, which would still have been a big purchase, a big deal, but not as big as buying Bethesda. So absolutely crazy. Uh, huge, huge news. Can't wait to see what comes of it. But that's what I got for Catch of the Week this week. Now let's open up my captain's log and see what I've been playing. So the never-ending journey, guys, with Ghost of Tsushima continues. All I will say this week is I really pretty much just kind of have been defogging the last territory of Tsushima Island. And uh, I'm closing in on completing the game. Uh, finishing up the story 100%. All the collectibles, getting the platinum trophy, just kind of tightening that up here. So, hopefully, here soon I will be able to tell you guys, hey, uh, I've completed the game, I've got my review coming out, and we can just kind of move on. Um, I did not have a whole lot of gameplay time this past week, so I didn't get a whole lot of progress in the game. Uh, I will say that I was able to test out for the first time for for myself. Uh, xCloud by playing The Outer Worlds via the Game Pass app on you know xCloud on my phone. Uh, I'd actually, if you guys remember, there was a 8-Bit Do is the brand uh, that created this kind of a Super Nintendo-esque controller is what it looked like to me, but it was an Xbox controller that you, via Bluetooth, used to play the Xbox games on your uh, phone via xCloud. So I'd gotten that in this past Wednesday, and I wanted to test it out and test out xCloud, and uh, it was actually really cool. Uh, the controller itself was really nice and controlled really, really well. And the game, I mean, man, it, it ran smooth as butter. It looked great. Uh, no issues whatsoever, except if the Wi-Fi signal was lost or was not good in a certain spot of my room upstairs. Uh, I had to disconnect and reconnect to Wi-Fi a couple times. And once I reconnected every time, it was smooth as butter. But the second that, that connection was interrupted for whatever reason, it, it got real spotty and choppy. But overall, I, I was very impressed and thought it was really cool and something I look forward to continuing uh, to do on the nights I have to go to bed early and um, you know get an extra hour in a gaming or whatnot through my phone and the xCloud. And the final game that I tried out this week, I uh, got a, maybe a couple hours in just because I really, really enjoyed the hour that I played a couple weeks ago. And, it, and that was Star Ocean, Integrity, and Faithlessness. And as I had said earlier, I really, really would love to just lose myself to this game uh, and just really kind of focus on it and get into its world and, and its lore and the story and just kind of focus on it. But I just... I know I don't have that kind of time, but while I can pick away at it and just kind of still enjoy it here or there, I'm, I'm trying to do that as well. I did play enough to get to my first boss fight in the game, and that was pretty cool. Uh, definitely really digging the soundtrack to the game. It's got a beautiful score, and just, I don't know, I'm, I'm really interested in the story and have been enjoying the environments that I've been exploring and the combat, and just a really cool game. So definitely, uh, definitely have been enjoying that JRPG feel and that vibe because that's an itch that I like to scratch every now and then is getting that Japanese RPG uh, style going and especially after seeing the trailer for Final Fantasy 16 the other week it's just really it, it was an itch that needed to be scratched so that's pretty much what I've been up to this past week in my captain's log 
Now, as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, let's check in and see what I've been up to with my trophy progress as I am trying my hardest to get the trophy level 10 by the PS5. Well, as I have stated for quite a while now, guys, it is not that easy to progress from level to level in the trophy level system. The further and the more higher number you get, uh, it requires more and more trophies each level, which I do like. I like that aspect about it. But with that being the case, uh, bottom line is I've moved up this past week to 37%. And that is a 3% increase if you've been keeping track uh, week to week or episode to episode. So 63% still to go until I hit that trophy level 10. But not just the trophy level itself is what I'm looking at right now between now and November 12th. But I'm also tracking my road to 500. And my road to 500 is basically, I noticed the other week that I was very close to 500 trophies. And I know some of you may think that's kind of minimal, but for me and a guy who doesn't play a whole lot of PlayStation, I it was kind of cool. I was like, wow, you know, that's 500 trophies, man. I'm, I'm close to it. Let's make a thing out of this. So uh, you guys will be happy to know that, guess what? I got a total of five trophies this past week, two in Star Ocean, three in Ghost, and that five brought me to 500, guys. I did it. My road to 500 is complete. And I was actually pretty excited about that, pretty stoked. Another cool little stats tidbit here. Out of that 500 trophies overall that I've unlocked since I've played uh, since PlayStation 3, since the trophy system started, 401 of those 500 are bronze trophies. I thought that was pretty interesting. 401. That, that's that's pretty, uh, pretty insane to me. But it makes sense. The most common trophy. Uh, just a little tidbit of info out there. I figured out throughout there. So my road to 500 complete. Now we just got to get that last 63% and hit that trophy level 10. Now let's go open up some buried treasure and see what kind of gaming tips I have for you guys this week. So really getting into Star Ocean this last week as much as I could in that two hours, I kind of came away with a, an understanding a little bit more of a system that the game has within it. And it's a crafting system. And this crafting system is very important, I realized, when I came to that first boss fight and just a couple of the random encounters that I did on the way to that boss fight just kind of made me realize, hey man, I need to really kind of keep an eye on uh, what ingredients I have to utilize for crafting, uh, as well as making sure that I have a lot of uh, restorative items. And it's always the case in RPGs, right? I'm just going to say in this tip this week, just make sure that you keep an eye on those ingredients and what items that you do need to craft or can craft, uh, especially in these early stages of the game where I'm at, because there's not a whole lot of pickups or different options anywhere for uh, you know, stores or shops to be able to buy things. So you really just want to kind of keep an eye on that. And that's a good way to maintain a good inventory of restorative items to keep you alive and and or revive fallen foes in a battle. Because the first time I fought the boss, that happened to me. I actually died, got a game over. Uh, I ran out of restorative items. But, you know, you live and learn. And so the second time, no problem. Kick the guy's butt. Uh, 
took him out pretty quick. So the bottom line is make sure to keep an eye on those ingredients and make sure you craft plenty of restorative items. Well, guys, we all know that these past two weeks have been a pretty stressful pair of weeks for gamers looking to get into the next gen via pre-orders. Now, I just kind of want to say this week, my captain's decree, should pre-orders for new consoles be this stressful? My answer is no, I, I don't think they should. You know, they've always been a stressful process for me to an extent going all the way back to really the first console that I pre-ordered, which was the original Xbox and the GameCube. And, you know, it's I, I get it. New consoles, they always have a lower allocation at launch. And, you know, maybe it has something to do with the companies wanting to generate hype or media attention by saying, oh, you know, in two seconds they sold out all of their pre-orders and, oh, the demand is so high when in reality you don't have the supply created uh, to meet the demand. And it's not necessarily because you couldn't keep up with the demand. It's because you, you just kind of wanted to generate and uh, create some hype around your product. And I, I get that. But at the same time, also think about your consumer and your customer. I feel that, you know, both companies, Microsoft and Sony, had gone into these pre-orders saying that there would be plenty of consoles for people and that they would make sure that this was an easygoing process. There wouldn't be any issues. Obviously, I don't necessarily blame Sony for the Walmart situation and breaking street date and then all other retailers following suit. That's not necessarily on Sony. Uh, but at the same time, then you have Microsoft who because of that situation, said that they weren't going to have that debacle and set a specific time on the day that pre-orders were going to go live of 11 a.m. Eastern time. Well, it was still uh, a pretty pretty rocky road trying to get an Xbox, as I kind of touched on earlier. And I feel like there's just, there's just got to be a better way. There has got to be a better way. I understand that this year especially is very unique in the sense that you know, COVID-19 has affected production on every product in the world, uh, you know, least of all, you know, gaming consoles. Um, but at the same time, you know, these companies have stated that there was not going to be any issues with production and that COVID-19 did not affect production or what their production plans were uh, of their respective consoles. And there was a rumor, if you guys uh, had noticed it, right before the PS5 went on pre-order, that was saying that there were, I think it was 4 million units under production uh, <laughs> at that point in time uh, for the PS5. And Sony immediately came out and denied that and said, no, we're, we're on track, basically. And then we have the debacle that we did. Now, granted, I will say, as of this point in time, it seems like there's been more PS5s available than Xbox Series X's. I don't know exact numbers, but I will say that at least, you know, and there's been a week's difference between them. So PlayStation had another week to build up to that second wave of GameStop pre-orders that was advertised. But hopefully Microsoft will do something similar. My point being, if you don't have the product or the quantity to meet the demand, I don't know. I'm not saying not necessarily do I believe they should not release the product when they initially want to. But I feel like you should really, really think about the quantity uh, and, and make sure that you can put a decent amount out there uh, to meet the kind of demand 
it can't be a surprise. You know, these companies a lot of times act like it's a surprise the demand that they got for their product. And these guys know. I mean, come on. It happens every time. Every console, there's always a major demand. The thing that surprises me is when the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One first went on pre-order, it was announced one day at E3 back in 2013 of that year, that June. Uh, hey, pre-orders are going to go live tomorrow for both consoles. Well, guys, I ain't even lying to you. The next day, I went up to a GameStop at about 9.45, 9.50. It opened at 10. Not a single person in line waiting for anything to open. I walk in there at 10 o'clock on the dot as soon as I see them open the door. Hey, guys, uh, can I put 50 bucks down on a PS4 and 50 bucks down on an Xbox One? Yeah, sure. It, it, times have changed, <laughs> is all I'm saying. Seven years later, and it's, it's almost impossible to try to pre-order one of these things. Uh, and, you know, the Xbox One X, even when that released, I was able to have a pre-order on it. No problem. It was after 12 noon in the afternoon and I was still able to get a pre-order for the One X. So I don't know. I think that it needs to be something needs to be looked at a little bit closer. And these pre-order events, I think, need to be a little bit more consumer friendly. Uh, again, I understand some things may be out of their control, Sony and Microsoft, that is. But at the end of the day, think of the consumer, think of the gamer, think of your dedicated fan base and how devastated some people are right now because they were unable to secure a pre-order. And who knows? I, I know both companies say that they're supposed to have allocation on release day, but how much is that really going to be? Is that actually going to be true come release day? I don't know. But the bottom line is, these pre-orders of new consoles should not be as stressful as a process as they are. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com or on social media on Instagram at Lost at Sea Gaming, as well as on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.